Joe, we have a return guest this week, and he has received a lot of praise for his recent film, which is a big success. Of course, it was four <laughs> hours long, and I think that's the first thing we're going to ask him about right off the top. Uh, Scott Snyder. Scott, why the hell did you make your movie four hours friggin' long? It's my vision. <laughs> so, no, I, 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 so, dude, you don't even know. Having the last name Snyder and being anywhere near comics or geek culture in the last, like, six months has been nuts. Like, it really, like, I never tweet or retweet anything, but, like, all the time I'm getting, like, people coming at, like, so glad that you got your chance to fulfill your vision and then, like, other people being, like, what you shouldn't be able to do that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, And then sometimes I joke, I'm like, I'm not Zach, that's, he's my son, or I'm his son, <laughs> or whatever. But, it's a, but the great thing is um, we wound up sort of being tangentially in touch through DC. Uh, cause he, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, like, I, I always feel the same way. Like, I'm always up for someone to have their own take on the characters, as long as it's something really uniquely theirs uh, and pa- they're passionate about and they care about the characters. Like, even if I disagree with it, um, you know, not e- even talking about his necessarily, but any, like, for example, like everyone from Tom King to Grant Morrison, you know, has very different versions than me, but I'm excited when I show up to their Batman that they're going to do something that's uniquely theirs and that they care about. So I'm, I was always all for kind of, you know, seeing, seeing what, what his vision would be completed. But um Anyway, they wound up, his people kind of got in touch through DC about possibly doing um, comic adaptations of some of the stuff that wasn't in the, wasn't oh, there, but right. I just, I'm so buried right now in, in my own stuff. And I've really made a promise to myself that I wouldn't take any comprehensive superhero work between, um, you know, uh, 20, uh, end of 20, uh, 2020 and the beginning of 2022. And I have, I have a pretty big DC project too, really, but one really like on me to start at the end of the year. So, Oh, I didn't do it. Yeah. So uh, I feel bad, but I'm very excited to see uh, people enjoying, enjoying, uh, you know, justice league so much. And um, that, that he got to kind of fulfill, fulfill his own take on everything in, in a way that was, uniquely his. Well, and you talk about your superhero projects, and as much as we want to talk to you quite a bit about Noctera today, we did talk to you a while back. I think it was last time we had you on, we talked about the ending of Death Metal and everything and you know, Infinite Frontier moving forward. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this week, the is it the deluxe edition of Death it Metal? Is, yes, out? it is. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I, I've been like so uh, uh, run ragged the last month. I didn't even realize that that's out tomorrow until I was away this weekend and saw it <laughs> arrive. And I was like, Oh man, I'm so proud of that one. I'm really, it's beautiful. I'm very excited the way they, the way they packaged it and everything. So I'm, I'm really grateful to them. And yeah, Tuesday, tomorrow, Tuesday. Nice. Okay. Well, be on the lookout for that, especially if you guys didn't read the uh, stuff as it was coming out. Of course, Doc and I were reading it all along the way. Um, Outstanding. You know, Scott, like, we know you have we have you here right now, so it may seem like we're just being nice because you're here. But Doc and I, right, Doc, every time we talk about an event, we say death metal. That's that should be that, the framework. Yeah, that that's our gold standard because we've been oh, I've been commis I've been commiserating about some of the events going on now, and we always we always bring it back to how DC just you guys nailed it with with death metal, and it was it was it was that's how it should be done. It was paced Thank perfectly. You. The stories were fantastic, and it wasn't overload right that's the problem i think we have uh you know with some of these events you just it's like an avalanche and 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 death metal was just done uh perfectly thanks well we always you know i always felt like uh with both everything from court of owls to death metal you know whenever i got a chance to do something that crossed over into other books that that was always our uh one of the the real main kind of north stars for us was we never wanted to um make too much content or make content that was uh, going to try and take advantage or of anyone or exploit the, exploit the kind of uh, selling power of the event itself. So um, we often, I feel like did much less than we had hoped to do um, in that regard, but wound up really proud of all of our tie-ins. I think um, death metal was such a wild one because the cool. landscape, I think we talked about this last, last time, but how much it changed uh, during the course of that event. Yes. Nuts. So it was really like, you know, walking away with it, having um, finished just the way we had hoped, but didn't know it would, you know, in terms of the way it linked up with a lot of what DC's projects are now, uh, it really is exciting to go back and read it. And, you know, 
see, I, I have my own private like uh, geography for it where I read it and I'm like, oh, that's where we had this fight, right? I forever, that's where we had to stick up for this. So that's where I lost this one or, you know, like it's funny to read it and know all the insider stuff with it. But at the end of the day, that's that's why I, I read it and I'm very proud of what uh, the team was able to do and Marie and everybody and what DC kind of um, wound up being on the other side of it too. You know, I think so. Yeah. I cannot wait to add Wonder Woman and her chainsaw, uh, the McFarlane toy version to my collection. Oh, yeah. I, I do have the Grim Knight, but I got, I'm di- I've been dying. Ever since I saw that cover, I was like, I, I need this. This needs to be a toy. I need it right away. And it's coming out. I think. I sh- yeah, I should, I should, I should get Todd just sent me all that stuff. It's like, it came while we were away. I have it. It's still in the box. In the, oh, but I, can, I, I haven't even looked. I can bring it over and take a look and see what I got from, but he, he wrote me and said that he was sending me a whole bunch of goodies and then I got it. And I, I saw, I opened it and started to see that it was the death metal stuff and last night stuff. And they do such a good job with that. So yeah, he, the last night. that's his, that's like the first piece of art I ever bought too. Oh really? Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, did I tell you about that? That was like when I was thirteen. My dad took me to a, uh, uh, a New York Comic Con, and uh, it was all like you know the three hour line for Todd McFarlane, and um, I waited the whole time, and I, I had my money saved up. I had like two hundred bucks, and uh, he, I got up to him. And my dad was like, "Oh, he's it's his birthday, and he's that he wants to be you, and he's you know older and." And Todd gave me a page that's like far beyond the value of like what I had. It's Spider-Man. You can see it's like has a full Spidey, you know, like. Oh, no way. Yeah. Wow. It's like swinging and Aunt May and Peter and the whole thing. And and then on the back, he drew me a Spider-Man uh, and it says, happy birthday, Scott, with webbing. And, oh. and he gave it to me. I was, so to this day, I still think back like that's the kind of pro, you know, that's, that's, that, that made my whole life. Like it, it made me feel like comics was going to be full of awesome people, which it is, you know, but it, it got me excited to, to be involved too. So yeah, that's, so Todd, I, and I told him that when I saw him, it was funny, like after I was on Batman and our pads crossed it, um, I forget, we were on like, we were on like the Howard Stern geek time thing or something together. Huh. And uh, I told him the story and he was like, I gave, he's like, how much was the one I gave you? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, you know, he was, he was joking around. He's great. Speaking of, of of Todd and everything, obviously, of course, that he's doing with Spawn and Image and everything, we wanted to talk to you today about Noctera. We did with the first time you were on, we talked about you know the Kickstarter and everything leading up to it. But the second issue is out this week, and of course, the review from I think I actually I handled the review this week for Geeks Worldwide, so that'll be up at the same time as this interview. And really enjoyed it. It's been a great start so far. Doc and I got our uh, Kickstarter packages and everything too. You guys did a great job mm-hmm. with all of that, and with um with Sundog. She's an awesome character and someone who I need an action figure for right away for sure too. Um, But she strikes me as somebody who, you know, you don't mess around with whatever she, but I could see her being like a hero or possibly being an anti-hero. And I was looking it up if somewhere along the way you've said what she kind of is in a different interview, because I don't know for sure yet. She strikes me kind of leaning towards anti-hero. I'm curious. How do you view her? Yeah. Well, I was showing Tynan um, issue five. And uh, oh, he was like, uh, he was like, this is the darkest hero that you've written, you know, in a while. Because oh. for me, like the fun of her is that um, she's not Wonder Woman. You know what I mean? She's not a Pearl from American Vampire, who both those characters to me um, have this kind of resilient optimism, you know, um, and it's this battle worn, weary optimism. But it's there where it's kind of like. That's it's like a through line with Wonder Woman, you know, that she believes that the truth of our nature is good, no matter what, or she'll she'll just she'll keep telling us that until that becomes the truth in that way. Whereas uh, Val, to me, grew up in a way that the only way she's learned to protect herself is the opposite, to have like a shell of of complete lack of optimism and to be like you protect what you care about, the people you care about, and you cannot trust anything beyond like this far in front of you. Um, so it leads her, she's, she's quite, I mean, she, she's really, it makes it fun to write cause she's super badass, you know, and she's like, mm-hmm. there's no one putting anything over on her, but it's also, she's, um, she can be scary to write in a fun way too. Like I'm on this issue now. Uh, I was doing the, looking over the lettering for issue three. Um, cause the whole thing goes out, you know, lock is locks up this week for, um, for publication. And, 
you know, the in issue two, there's a moment when she's at least humoring or pretending to humor the idea of like turning over her passengers to this guy who's clearly like a really bad uh, mercenary because he promises that he'll he'll give her and her brother this device that will heal her brother, you know, from the infection. And even though you learn in issue three that she was kind of playing as though she was going to do it to try and figure out what, what he was, um, what the truth was about what her passenger was claiming in terms of this destination they're headed towards the sanctuary. She's dark. I mean, she, she definitely, she doesn't care that there's a little girl there being like, thinks that maybe she really was going to turn her over to, you know, to this killer because she, she's just not there to make any friends or to, to, you know, be anyone's role model. And I love that about her, you know, and everything about her from her name that like ferrymen name things they hate as their, as their call signs, it's like their joke. So sun dogs are false suns, like false lights in the sky that look like the sun. So it's like, she has no time for bullshit. She has no time for like fake hope, you know? So everything about her from like her visual look down to her background has been kind of designed around this, this idea of someone who really believes that the darkness is not only kind of emblematic of um, the true nature of, of the world and of the, the kind of cosmic core of things, but that it's the true reflection of who we are as well. And, and, and our true nature comes out in the dark and this is what we're, this mm. is, you know, there's no, no one you can trust, nothing, nothing, um, nothing um, positive or, uh, you know, inspiring about it. So yeah, she's, she's definitely more of an anti-hero than a hero, but I think by the time you get to issue five, you see like, she does, she does a pretty big, she does not a huge change, but you see light coming in, you know, no pun intended, but you see her, start to, <laughs> you see her start to see her start to open up and become more vulnerable. And you realize why she is the way she is more. And so I, I love her as a character, but we have like, the funny thing is about it. Like, you know, I've, I just sent in my whole pitch to image of like sort of the next um, sort of uh, two big arcs and then the interstitial issues to give them a sense of the whole series. So you know, it's plotted at minimum at about 25 issues. Um, and we really want to go bigger than that. But Tony is on for at least like, you know, 21 of those issues about that kind of thing, you know, probably nice. more. And then we'll do like interstitial issues. So to get to the whole story, I mean, Val's arc, really, it's a long arc. You know, it's 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 like a Rick Grimes arc, even though, you know, might, maybe it'll be a quarter of the length of that series or, or less. But it's still that kind of like slow burn arc. It's not like one and done. And so, you know, what she learns at the end of this arc, both about herself, but also about the world and what she has to do next, it's all one big rolling kind of building thing. It's funny because they were like, they were reading it and I was talking to one of the guys that works there and um, he was like, so what you're building to is like serial killers versus truckers versus kind of monsters and a Cthulhu beast thing. And I'm like, yes, that's basically my elevator pitch. So yeah. <laughs> okay. It's going to be fun. Serial killers versus truckers versus monsters. So, so you, you remarked that Tynan had said yeah, that, that uh, Sundog was, uh, you know, one of the darker heroes that you've written. We've been introduced to a lot of great characters so far. Uh, Sundog M and uh, Blacktop Bill, who we've talked about this before with uh, the Batman who laughs. He kind of reminds me of him, especially with that smile he has. Uh, what character so far have you had the most fun writing? Oh, man. I mean, I, I love Val and I love like Bellwether. I've written a lot more of her like down the, down the pike uh, in um, the upcoming issues. She, her relationship with Val, their friendship and how they, you know, really kind of got to know each other and um, the kind of sisterhood between them is, is a big part of the story as well. But um, Blacktop Bill to me is, is probably my favorite. I mean, I love villains and I love like really irredeemable villains. You know, my favorites like Batman who laughs and James Jr. from detective. And, you know, I like antiheroes too, like a Skinner sweet. He starts off really bad and then kind of brightens over time, but there's something really fun also about writing the gray trader. Those people that are just like, black you know and the, the i think the thing about it is like you see especially now like when the masks come off how dark people can get you know how in a pandemic uh when things are politically divisive when resources are depleted like you see how vicious people can be and how you know how unethical and i think there's value to having an unsympathetic villain sometimes too who really pushes that 
sociopathic kind of element further. And I don't always think villains should be, you know, uh, have something uh, that makes you like them beyond their, their absolute cruelty, you know? So he's one of those, he was like a really bad guy in real in the world before. And he had a rumor about him. You start to hear about it in issue three more where Bellwether calls this, uh, this place called the hubcap where it's like this radio X radio station where the guy talks about what's clear on the roads, what areas are have more shades and stuff. And she's like, have you ever heard of this guy, Blacktop Bill? You know, it can't be the the guy like from before, the rumor about that guy on the roads, the killer on the roads. And he's like, you know, don't say his name on these airwaves. He's like, I don't want, you know, because he says, and it's all this stuff that you learn more and more about, about who he, basically right after this arc, we're going to do a short interstitial arc, like a two issue thing where you see who he was beforehand, you get hints of it. Yes. Um, so I love it. It's like, we're going full blown like big engine fun with this one where it's like all my favorite kind of tropes and things instead of shying away from them, the kind of huge, like, you know, uh, genre esque like Spielbergian stuff that I just love, like, instead of kind of trying to undercut it or subvert it, or I just want to like take it and be like, I'm just going to do my best to make it uh, better than you. Instead of, instead of something different than you're hoping for, like better than you're hoping for, but that thing. So it's like, you know, the kind of person that he was before, you know, from my favorite tropes of like, you know, the the bad guy who gets approached to become even worse and, and to, to be this figure in this new world and undergo an experimental procedure, all that stuff. I love those kind of mad scientist stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of that. So I'm giving too much away, but that's. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Give it all away. I want it. Speaking of giving us away, all this talk of darkness and everything is making me think like. You know, you're a Batman writer. I'm kind of waiting to see uh, Tom Hardy pop up out of somewhere and say, "You think darkness is your ally?" <laughs> I'm just waiting for that him to show up. Is Tom Hardy exists in Noctera? Uh, I believe, <laughs> I'd love to have him in it if it ever gets made, man. Uh, Tom Hardy, I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan. Everything from Peaky Blinders to oh, to I, I, would, I rewatched that recently. I never thought that the show that I would rewatch. Oh my god, I so good. He's so know, hard to understand, it. though. In that, I love it. I know. I have to subtitle it. Yeah, he was the main reason too, because it really sounds like he has marbles in his mouth. But anyways, um, you know, when I look at, we've talked about a little bit, Undiscovered Country on here as well. Of course, your other image project that you have going on right now, which I've enjoyed since it first came out. And you have these two like post-apocalyptic worlds that you're dealing with. And I know that's like, it's important for both these, but they're very different worlds. And I'm curious from your writing, you know, writing perspective, is it weird jumping from one to the other is that a challenge at all for you like you have these two worlds that shit's gone sideways but they're very different from one another it, that part isn't really i mean there's such different projects for me and then i ha- i mean i have other books that have um that i'm doing this year a couple of them have um real not post-apocalyptic feels but end of the world kind of feels like things happening that are leading to that in a way so there's oh like a one of them that we talked about a little bit, um, Chain imagines the, f- the food chain begins to be disrupted, but in a way that's really violent and, and reversing it in a way. So uh, that's happening. It begins to happen like off screen as the whole story is unfolding. So um, I think the, the thing, the, those two projects are super different, but each one is really a, a very, a really particular take on like one kind of thread of thinking. So, Amer- uh, you know, uh, Undiscovered Country is like, a really fun thought experiment with Charles where the two of us are kind of imagining what if, and this is like the secret kind of blueprint for that series. It's like taking one thing that we're, we're proud of about, you know, uh, that's baked into kind of the American imagination or kind of self uh, baked into our psychology as part of who we are. Um, and then taking it to kind of an extreme and creating a territory around that thing. So for example, the one we're writing right now, the third arc is about all of these really um, wild cultural exports that we've been known for for so long from Hollywood, comic books, all this stuff. And um, then wow. taking that and kind of thinking about what happens in a cartoony, fun way, but also in a real way, if that gets isolated into one kind of territory as its export or as its responsibility. Because the idea of that series is that after the ceiling, the United States kind of breaks into 13 different territories and the territories are all responsible for kind of one element of 
of sustenance. So some are agricultural, some are technological. That's the one we were just in. Yeah. Some are um, uh, about um, mil- some are militaristic. But the idea is that a different you're allowed to go to any of those zones, and then over time, because time is sped up within the United States in this crazy land of the law series, those zones became um, uh, sealed off from one another as well. So it's almost like you get to take each one that initially was part of one federal system and kind of a 13 state, um, 13 territory uh, nation, and then make one nation out of each thing. And like, it's like one element of our um, psychology gone haywire. And so even though like, for example, that has a world that's war torn and all this kind of stuff, it's so different in my mind from something like Noctera where Noctera is, is all about, um, you know, a darkness that separates us and turns us into monsters. And I'm writing it, you know, again, for like my, for to be able to be read with my 14 year old. So the whole project is about characters thinking at first, the only way to survive is to stay out, stay away from each other and stay lit in these small pockets and instead learn you have to kind of come together and, and not become these unrecognizable scary things to each other anymore. So again, they're just like such, it's almost like even if some of the books they don't really look alike, but even if some of them down the line that I haven't even announced yet, you know, have a apocalyptic feel to me, at least in my mind, they're so, they're so about why the world has become what it is. Cause the way I write is generally um, for better or worse, like something will catch my eye. Like I had an idea for a story, for example, like the other day when we were walking out in the woods and my kids saw this thing that looked like a trap door. And then it, it wasn't, it was just like a, lid but for a second i was like what the hell is that thing and then i started right i was like well what if i what if you opened it and it was one of those horrifying you know like dungeons that somebody had and for years ago and it kept people in all this kind of terrible stuff and so i was like oh why does that and i couldn't stop thinking about it and i was like well what if you started finding more of them out in the woods like why is that why does that spook me out so much and so the, the way that i and none of this, this isn't a book that's in this, this line of books that I'm talking about yet. This is just like an example of unpacking an idea like the other week, right? Mm-hmm. This just last week. Um, it's kind of like, I'll start thinking about why does that spook me out so much, right? And then I'll take it apart. So I'll take it and say, well, it spooks me out because it, it makes you feel invaded. Like something on your property right here happened that was so dark, you know? And, and what if the things are still lurking around? What if... So then I'm like, well, how do you build that story? Well, what if somebody, what if he finds a note inside of one of them that's newer and says, if you tell anyone about what you found here, I'm going to come for you and your family and that kind of thing. And, you know, he's like, I don't even know what this is. What is it? Who knows what happened here? You know what I mean? What should I tell someone? Should I not? And then what if you make it close in on him more? That's when he finds more of them. And then he starts to realize, oh my God. And I build it out that way. So it's almost like, I figure out why it is that that thing that caught my eye or made me think of a premise scares me as a father or as a, you know, someone uh, with my own insecurities or fears about the world. And then I try and create a story that allows me to explore that in the most piercing or kind of upsetting way to myself so that I can figure out what it is about that, you know, that, I need to learn um, how to get through. You know, I have to learn how to be brave in the in the face of that thing, or if it's a really dark story, how to totally succumb to it. So in that way, it's like that's that's why every story, even if like you know I'm doing ten Batman stories in a row at, when I'm on that book, or they're all very different to me because I always try and start from a place of what is this about to me? What am I exploring that's really particular to? my interests, my fears, my hopes, that. And it's kind of what I tell my students, especially when they get on a superhero book, if we're talking about superhero books, is the only way to make anything original with those characters is to really give of yourself to them and write about things that are personal to you and could be very embarrassing or very um, upsetting or very inspiring. And don't be afraid to be corny about it or to expose yourself, you know, and the parts of yourself you don't like, you know, there because that's the only way you get anything original, you know, plots certainly, but the way you build a, you know, certainly have been done to death, like everything, but the way you make it original is to create that plot out of that exploration, in my opinion, at least. So that's why, even if you have two things that look similar, they're not because, you know, uh, for me, I like on the one hand, you know, I could compare two 
great stories by two writers I love. And on the surface, it looks like they're kind of about the same thing, Batman, secret organization, this or that, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when you, when they're about something clearly from page one to page, you know, a hundred, 120, like, you know, that thing makes it different, that driving sort of lifeblood in the, in the, in the thing itself. So anyway, that was a long ass answer. To really, <laughs> I'm really both terrified much- and, ready to give you all my money for whatever that book you know <laughs> might be but 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 speaking uh on the writing process a little bit what you know part of what kicked off Noctera was the Kickstarter campaign you did and and the re- one of the rewards for that was getting your script for the first book which was absolutely fascinating to read especially how you talked about how you know from story to story from from team to team your your scripts change you just don't have one model that you follow while writing all of your books and and while readers have you know loved your writing since you you know you first you know you came onto the scene i'd imagine that from when you first started writing comic books to now not just the the way you write scripts has changed but you know your overall writing has changed and so you know what what's that process like for you like from when you started to to where you are now it's weird because my pro James, the same thing. I talk to Tynan all the time. Like we talk almost every day. So yeah, he's going to keeps popping up in my stories, but um, <laughs> we were talking about it the other day. I mean, my process hasn't changed that much in terms of how I unpack a story. I still have like my same whiteboard kind of stuff and use the same, same kind of measuring sticks that I always used about character arcs and um, act breaks and stuff like that for myself. But um, what has really changed, I think, is my um, willingness to challenge myself by working with different, um, not just different kinds of artists, uh, but working in different styles, like with scripts, but also kind of exploring things that um, I know I could fail at. You know, like one of the books that I'm working on now for the Best Jacket line is um, just pure historical fiction. Um, and I always loved that when I was writing prose, and I love reading it, and I love um you know, uh, consuming it. Um, but I haven't tried that in a really long time. You know, there's no monsters, no, <laughs> no, uh, no horror shows or anything like, um, uh, supernatural. It's just, it's about, um, a barnstormer in the early 1900s who crashes into this, uh, this house. And in doing so the meet somebody who runs away with them. And, and it's a story about them being pursued by the, by the family of the girl and, all this stuff. So it's got action, but it's like straight up historical fiction. And I'm working with somebody who's really different kind of artist than, um, than uh, what you're used to seeing from me. And same thing like chain, you know, is a different kind of book. It's like trying something that it could, I could totally blow it, you know, where it's doesn't, it doesn't have all the things you want to see in terms of um, the animals, like ripping people apart. And the, it has the threat of that thing coming the whole time. And, and it's much more like a lockbox personal drama, like a play with these people not knowing what to do as this thing encroaches. So what I'm saying is, you know, when I was starting on Batman, I think the first, I, I might've told you this, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but um, I mean, I, I lived in like abject terror for those first few years where I, all I could think was like, I've been given this like dream job way before I'm ready for it. I don't want it, but I couldn't say no because I'd never get the chance again if I said no. But it's like the worst imposter syndrome in the world where you're like, you know, you're not, you don't deserve it. And you don't, and you're there, you know, and it's your one chance and you've been given the keys to everything. And it's all the stuff you ever wanted to play with. And um, so those couple of years working on Black Mirror and um, Court of Owls and then um, Death of the Family, like, it did, wasn't until the end of that story that I started to relax a bit with zero year where I was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know what? I don't care if I fuck this up anymore because I, I love what I, I love the stories we did and I, I might not have been as good as I wanted to be doing them, but I'm proud of them. I did something. And now if I don't challenge myself, I'm going to start to really dislike myself as a writer. So that's where zero year came in was like, I'm going to tear it down and build it up. And then stuff after that. And uh, slowly I felt more and more comfortable, but James will tell you, like, I always ask him, I always ask him all through those years, like, is this the one where I jump in the shark where, and he might, he'd be like, he'd be like, you know, 
what if I say yes? And I'd be like, well, I'm still going to do it. So why am I even asking you? <laughs> you know, I believe in it. But the, now, you know, I'm excited to try things that I might jump the shark on more where it's like, and I always tried, you know, like after death or the wake or things that were experimented in different ways that I wasn't sure I could pull off or did pull off. I don't know. But the, this is like doing all that at once where it's like, I'm working with people I trust. It's a lot of trust fall kind of writing, but it's like, uh, you know, everyone from Francis, Manipal, Greg, just a bunch of people, but the books are pushing us in directions you haven't seen from us before. So, you know, you know, some stuff, some stuff like is like, you haven't seen it from us before cause it's ours, but it's right up our alley. Like you're not going to see me and Greg doing like a, you know, with Greg, it's like, I want to do something that's going to tear your face off and be like yeah. really fun. So, mm-hmm. you know, Joe won't, Joe won't say this, but I'll tell you every time you bring up James, he's, he, <laughs> I know he's getting a little electric excited because he can't, anything that James writes, I, don't be wrong. I'm reading it too, but Joe absolutely a thousand percent is getting oh, that before. He's, he's the best writer on the stands right now. In my opinion, James, I can't tell you how happy it makes me too to tell him that all the time because you know, we, I, I can't remember how deep we went into our friendship when I was talking to you guys last time, but you know, I met James when James was in college. I was an adjunct teacher, like fresh out of grad school. Uh, you're talking what 2000 must've been 2007, 2006. I don't even know. I mean, we're friends 15 years, 14 years. I mean, before okay. I broke in, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember going to him being like, you know, he was my student and we were both super into comics and I was teaching fiction. And then I got to teach comics because I started just pitching comics. You know, I wanted to pitch um, a comic class at Sarah Lawrence. He was there. And then we stayed friends afterwards. And then through all that stuff, I got a chance to, you know, writing short stories that had to do with superheroes, got a chance to pitch for Marvel and then DC. And I remember calling him up and being like, he wasn't a student anymore. He was graduated and being like, holy shit, I had this chance, you know, you know, comics, love comics. I love comics. Uh, let's just let, you know, let me show you my pitch. So, I mean, he's been my closest friend when it comes to um, writing. I mean, he's like than anyone in the world, like James, James is like my, my blood brother when it comes to writing, you know, and uh, to watch him do things now that I marvel at where I'm like, holy shit, that's the, not only the best series, you know, like department of truth, but, in a hugely yeah. important series, like one that I wish I like I had thought of that, but even <laughs> if I had thought of it, I wouldn't pull it off as well as you're, you're pulling it off. Like that I told I'm like, it just, it swells your heart as somebody, you know, as a, as a teacher of that person in the past when they become the teacher to you, but it's also, um, it's just great. I mean, I, he's just to see a good person with the right yeah. head on his shoulders and the, we have very different approaches. It's very funny. Like, not to writing, to writing we have the exact same approach. Um, very similar, I wouldn't say exact same, but really, really similar. Like he's about what is this, We because we, I mean, not that I taught him, but we, we can't, the reason we clicked was because what I was teaching, he believed too, which was you come at a story from, you know, what it means to you, what it means to you, what it means to you, like what's it about for you? And then it unravels. You don't have to know that when you start, but you have to be looking for that. Like, what is this, what's the purpose of me writing this thing? Um, and so we're always searching for that together when I'm saying to him, I feel like and we have all, we have all this crazy shorthand, but you know what I mean? <laughs> we're all these terms we use for each other where I'm like, you know, I'll be like, is it too echoey? Is it too this? Is it too that? And we, but to see him doing as well as he is and what so deservedly and even down to like the things that he carves his own path at, because there's all this shit that I gave him advice over, over the years that was right advice for me, but not for him, like at DC, you know, where I'd be like, this is your moment. You know, you got to push Dan to give you like a big book right now, like Superman. That's when you do it like right now. And he's like, and he's like, <clears throat> this is my moment. I want to do justice league dark. Cause I know, I know what I want to do with it. And I care about it. I'm like, what if you don't get another chance? And he'd be like, no, 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 no. And watching him go from someone who was like, you know, really um, just, just sort of learning who he was as a writer to knowing so well who he is as a writer. And, you know, your peer who you admire just I can't say enough good things about him and, and his series and everything. I'm so deeply, deeply proud of him. <clears throat> Not yeah, I can't, at all. I can't read enough. I mean, he put something out. I'm going to read it. And it started with, um, you know, something's killing the children. 
I think that and Department of Truth have been my two, two of my three favorite books over the past year. I mean, I just I've talked about them both on the show, and just just something about the way he writes. It just from the first panel, you know, it just it just pulls you right in, and he's just got yes. such an an intricate way of of telling a story, and also like like the horror that he creates, the suspense that he creates. It's it's at times very subtle, but it just boom it can it punch you right in the face it's absolutely oh, yeah. as he builds it out of emotion and yeah. dread and there's a sense of palpable dread throughout like picks the right artist knows what he's going for yeah. works as you know so yeah man he's he's the real deal like he's to see him finally blow up like and in the way that he is like it, it's the best he's Every, you know, he's just deserves it on every level. To bring it back to what's going on with you and Noctera and Best Jacket Press for that matter too, we talk about how you've been in the game for a long time. And I'm curious, you know, you start up your own imprint and everything like that too. And of course with Noctera, it was as much as you have Undiscovered Country and that's its own, you know, it's an independent um, or creator owned project. Noctera was obviously a different experience for you. And I'm curious, is there anything about, anything about you've learned about yourself or, or the business throughout this whole process? I mean, I think the the thing that I learned was how badly I've been waiting to do this for a long time. Like, I guess because I'm writing so much. I mean, I'm not allowed. Like, the the, the issue is we're gonna announce all this stuff like later later like this year, like in the summer. Books will start coming out, you know, this year. Like, after, not just you know, not Tara and then Chain, but other a lot of other books. But there's a whole other area that <clears throat> I'm working on right now. Um, that's kind of starting to really materialize. That's about doing uh, doing something that's about uh, creating comic books that also are a part of shedding the light on new creators. So being able to do books um, in conjunction with the publisher that uh, allows for other mini series to happen with up and coming people and that stuff too. And, and it's almost like, you know, super, there's a calculus that what I didn't realize was, how much energy the superhero calculus takes up um, when not in a bad way, but just like when you're writing justice league, or you're writing Batman or you're writing metal or death metal or these things that like, especially like a death metal, there's like 10 levels of, of work, right? There's the most important, which is that you're writing something that matters to you and you know what it's about. And like, that's the tunnel vision, you know, and you just, anything in the way of that, you're either going to, you know, you're going to plow through and just be like out of the way or you're going to, you know, and that means what I mean about that is like not other people on other series, not like colleagues, but like corporate obstacles, you know, things that like when I have like this way of working there where it was like, I'm always in negotiation with them about in the Dan DiDio days of like what it was I was trying to do, what I wanted to do. They push back, we'd work it out. And then when we settled on it and it was like, this is what we're doing this is what I'm doing it couldn't change meaning things could change like oh i can have an issue last issue more but the purpose of it couldn't change like the ending the thing couldn't change like mm. couldn't say well it's about the whole thing metal is about celebrating the past and then at the end do a new 52 where you take away the past like there was none of that like that would be like no i'm not changing it mm -hmm. and it will it'll just stand there in contrast to what you're doing or i'm just gonna quit so there was like that you know there's that math there's the math of like you know, uh, total coordination with other books, making sure everybody is happy, feels good about what they're doing to the best of your ability. There's the math of wanting it to stand for something in that regard. So if the book is about honoring the past, which it's, that's not necessarily, I'm just picking something like uh, mm -hmm. randomly, like as a hypothetical, right. let's say you're doing an event, it's about that. Then making sure the creators are involved or legacy creators, right? If it's about welcoming the future, then having making sure you're actually having creators on there that are part of a new wave of of, um, of uh, comics, you know. Uh, then there's the level of like political negotiation within the company of like, what if you know one editor doesn't want to do something and another editor wants this? What if they want tie-ins you don't want? What if there's that? And then there's like a super important level beneath that, which is the negotiation with the fans, which is like understanding where this character is in their trajectory or this, this company is if you're doing an event, but like metal is like, what do people think of DC right now? What am I trying to say about DC? How do I convince them 
to buy into this thing that's really personal and I'm passionate about when they might be feeling 180 degrees from where I am saying we should go. Meaning, you know, they might be feeling, fuck DC, I hate events. How do I say, uh, I have to, I have to trick them into coming to this because I believe in what I'm saying is events matter and this is why this matters and whatever. So there's that, you know, if it's a single character, it's like, okay, I'm writing Nightwing. I'm not, but I'm just saying as an example, <laughs> oh, where has Nightwing been the last however many years? What do people feel? Well, they're mad he was Rick Grayson. Okay. Well understand that. <laughs> yeah, you never, you never change the story you're doing ever. That's, yeah. that's never part of it. But for example, it's like um, doing zero year. Did I tell, talk about this last time where I was like talking about zero year? Like nope. zero year. I knew zero year was the first thing I did where I was like, this might really upset people. I don't know. I mean, all of it I knew might upset people, but the Court of Owls, I knew it would upset them only by the time they got to the part that would upset them. It was like they were either in or they weren't like mm -hmm. right. Because it was like, well, he might have a brother, he might not, but you just read ten issues of it already. So yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're you're kind of fucked if you hate it like at this yeah. point. So whatever. <laughs> but the um the zero year was the one that's like I knew I'm rewriting the origin. People aren't gonna be happy about that. I, DC had you know, they they were like, if you don't do it, we're gonna have someone do an origin because his origin doesn't make sense anymore as year one with the new fifty-two. I felt kind of backed into it. And then I realized at a certain point that my kids have very different fears than I had. My kids have phobias of school shooters and, and uh, terrorism and you know, it was 10 years ago and, and uh, post-apocalyptic scenarios in their minds, pandemics, all this kind of shit. You know, I didn't have that. I was afraid of different things that are in Dark Knight Returns in year one. So I was like, well, how do I do that? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rewrite it. And whereas year one was like, gritty and intense and personal and small and focused. This is going to be punk rock and maximalist and pink and green and Riddler bots and all kinds of crazy stuff everywhere. And it was like, well, how do I now negotiate with the fans to show them that even though they clearly do not want this and I'd never gotten like the kind of real anger that I got when I announced that, that um, how do I, how do I just not play into it? Like not, not, push back and fight and whatever, just joke about it be like, no worries, just read the story. But how do I slowly convince them and how do I convince them most of all in the story? So it was like, I know, I know what they think. They think it's gonna be like the alley and the pearls and the whole thing, but I'm gonna change it up. So it's like something shocking and upsetting. So I'm like, no, no, you know how I'm gonna start it? I'm gonna start it in post-apocalyptic Gotham where it's all overgrown and looks like I'm legend. Batman is sleeveless looking badass on a motorcycle with a crossbow. And you're going to be like, how, wait, this is the origin. This doesn't make any sense. Like, how is this the first story of, you know, well, why don't I know about this? Like how's Gotham overgrown like a jungle? Like what? And I wanted to short circuit your, like short circuit your expectations so that hmm. you, you almost like couldn't, you couldn't hate it at first. Cause you didn't even know what it was, you know, and be like, I don't know yeah. how to process this to, to, you know, like when you make, Commissioner Gordon Batman, you have Commissioner Gordon say all the shit that you get, all the hate you get, where it's like, this is the dumbest idea ever. And then you're like, all right, well, Commissioner Gordon comes on stage and says, I'm Batman. This is the dumbest idea in the history of Gotham City. Just give me my stupid Batmobile. Let's, let's have some fun, whatever. And then you dismantle the criticism because they don't, you know, they're, you're sort of like, oh, he, he gets what I'm thinking. He, he, he heard me. So maybe I'll just give this like two pages before I hate it. But you can hate it. It's fine. But my, my point is like that's the, that's the ground level like calculus. And so what I'm trying to say is like all of that takes up energy. Every part of that takes up energy. And, and you know, you don't realize it till you're out of it. And it's all great. I mean, I love that fight on every level. I love communicating with the fans. I love when – they, I love that they're that passionate. You know what I mean? I'm not, I have, I have, I have, I have my moments. Like I can have a thin skin at times, but I have a pretty thick skin at this point in my career where, you know, I'm not, I'm not like going to fight with a troll. But the thing is like the, the, you know, for me, when I'm out of it, like now, oh my God, I can write like so many more books because there's none of that calculus. It's just, you and your partner making something and that's it. Like, and I really, 
I didn't realize how just freeing that is. And it doesn't mean I don't want to go back. I do. Like I do want to go back and do superheroes and I'm proud of what DC is right now and all of it. But my God, like I am so much faster and so much more like, you know, I, I can, I can write an issue in a couple of days and be like, wow, another issue, another issue, you know, and, and feel really good about it. Look at it and be like, wow. And you know, I like this and okay, I'm going to go back and change that. And it's just, it's just like, a super highway versus like, a, you know, a back roads. Yeah. Back roads. Yeah. Which is <laughs> just so much work. I mean, and again, I love it. Don't get me wrong, but like that, that's how you, you know, that's, and I teach my students that stuff too, where it's like, you think when you're writing superheroes, it's just you, just the story, just that I wish it was, but it's not, it's like, yeah. that's always the most important by exponential amounts. Don't get me wrong. You can just do that. But if you really want to, you really want, that's my, at least my calculus is like, and James, you know, that's, we do it differently. Like I'm much more, he's like, he doesn't, James is funny. It's like what he teaches me now is like, you know, 10 years ago, even eight years ago, six years ago, it was different. There's what was on Twitter and there things had different effects than they do now. Like there's different sales margins, whole different tectonic things happening that, social media doesn't affect at all. And it's much more about like mainline communication with your fans. And I happen to have to do that still through social media in ways, but James with the newsletters and the stuff, yeah. it's mm-hmm. making me really interested in how to bypass some of the stuff like, and, and figure out how to communicate directly with fans better because it's exciting. You see it in, it's a scary moment. Like everything is in flux, everything yeah. from diamond, from distribute distribution to, um, the centrality of the companies as, you know, corporate entities, branding, everything like, you know, so you see the comic, the company shrinking a bit in terms of their staffs and everything, everything is changing, you know, and there are things that are super exciting, like Random House and Putnam, you know, being Penguin being just, just distributing scary stuff. And so, so much of it right now is about, to me at least, like, you know, making sure that your priorities are correct, you know, yeah. like in superheroes, uh, that all that, that all that, everything you can do to make sure that what you care about gets through to fans the right way. And they see what you're trying to do. Yes. And create your own same thing. Like there's mm-hmm. no, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is this, like what he and I both believe is there's no bullshitting the system. Now there mm-hmm. wasn't before. There was not before the fans could see through it before. But now there's no, it's just this ocean of like change. And the mm-hmm. only thing that's going to float is sincerity. You better write something you care about and you better make it something you believe in because someone's going to see right through your bullshit one way or another, you know? You better have you write something you care about and people hate it. You write something, write something that you're trying to please people and they, they see it and they kind of like it, but then they see through it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, so last question, Scott, before, before we let you go, uh, when we spoke back in, in January, you, you said you had some things, uh, you know, cooking that you were going to announce sometime. I believe you said in the spring uh, yeah. from Best Jacket uh, Press. Is there anything that maybe you can, uh, you know, share with us today? I'm not. I can't because we're ah. going to do the whole. What we're going to do, I will. I promise you this. I will come back as soon as we announce them and talk to you thoroughly about them because we're going to do oh. a whole rollout. Like, nice. What I really want to do is not not do it like I, I made. The, I started to do it the wrong way where I started to hint at things and I mean like. It's not hard to figure out who I'm who I'm working with on some things because you'll see them post things and hashtag like creator Capullo, <laughs> yeah. And you'll see me like, or, but we'll retweet other things by other people that you know you you know I'm, I've loved and I work with before too. So there's there's a lot of books like there's you know it's I've been working on them in different um, different capacities for the last number of years and so some of them are st- staggered out, some of them are finished writing. Some of them are not going to begin until um, soon, but they'll be announced with the other books because they're all part of like a, I want to announce like a two year schedule. That's like, yeah. this is as these books come out. You know? Two years. All right. Love it. Yeah. I like 2021 into 2020, like end of 2021 into 2022. Yeah. And be like, this is the, the whole span of like mid 2021 through like mid 2023 really, but the most of it being, you know, 2022. We're going to know about Scott's plans all the way through 2023, Joe, before we get the last issue of the last Ronin. 
Yeah, that is that is, that is for. Dan. I love that series. That series is so good. It's been um, fantastic, but it, it, each issue comes out like every three months, and I just want the next one now. I know, <laughs> I know, but there, I think I'll be just killing it with that thing. The uh, of course, but yeah. yeah so I, I promise I'll come back and, and do a big thing. But I started to like tease it more and more, and started to talk about people I was working with, and I got like really, I got like shut down by. Uh, oh. No, not by um, I'm the boss. Yeah, I was gonna say you get reprimanded <laughs> by your own company. Wow. It was it was by the people like Will Dennis, who I uh, who's my my good friend, but also he ran Vertigo under Karen when um, you know I was doing American Vampire at the beginning with Doyle. It was like Karen. Um, uh, those were people I worked with there. Uh, so he's the guy. He's the editor for all the best jacket books. I have him like I I, I like hired him as the best jacket editor like full time for all of it. And um, he was just like, you're, you're, um, you're just, you're, you're, uh, you're wasting an opportunity. Like we got to, let's do an expo and do like a real, let's do like a real announcement where you have art and you have this and you have that. Just, nice. just, you know, just be quiet for a while. I'm like, <laughs> it's nice. It's because I'm not used to it. I'm used to like, I, everything was once the net. Everything was like death metal. Okay. You know, shaving yeah. your head, playing guitar, meeting Greg, doing cons, <laughs> one everywhere, whatever. Then it's like, oh my, last night on earth. Okay. Oh, and then it's like, oh man. Then I'm Noctera. Okay. Like let's, let's rev it up. And um, I'm used to being like the juggling bear on a unicycle, man. I'll do it for, cause I like the book. So I, you know, if I like, the, I'm, you know, if I'm proud of the book, I don't care making a fool of myself to promote it, but I always stand by the work at the end of the day, you know, but and it's nice to be able to be like, just you gotta wait and see. I never said that ever. I never say that. I'm always the first like, time for everything. So for, that's the first right? you did it on TLDR. So at least we got that phone for. Yeah, yes. and, and um, we got. I, pro I promise. I will, I will come right back. Yeah. So we got a fourth thing now and be like, and I'll bring special guests and we'll do a whole thing. We'll have art. We'll have. I can talk premises. Everything. Oh, fantastic! Wow. That sounds even better. Shit. All right. I like that a lot more. So Scott, we really appreciate you taking the time like you always do. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you again next time. Yes, thank you yeah, very man. Much. Thanks. And just thanks. Let me say thanks to you guys. You're such a, it's such a pleasure. I love coming on. I love coming on. I love talking to both you guys. I mean, TLDR, you guys are awesome. And honestly, like, let me, uh, yeah, let me just thank your fans too. Cause I swear people, I see them show up and all that stuff for it and, and they're great. And you know, you give me the, the best job in the world. So I'm very, very grateful. And I promise I, I, there's nothing I'm putting out this year that I'm not really, really excited about, you know, I'm scared cause they're all different, but mm -hmm. I'm really happy. So I can't wait for you guys to see.